Hello, welcome. Today is a great day because it's the day that the Lord has made. Amen? Amen. My name is Carrie Kingston, and I just wanted to welcome each and every one of you to Washera Community Church. Um, and especially, I'd like to welcome those of you who've only been here a few times. We are so glad that you are joining us here and joining our family. Um, Wisher Community's church's mission um, is that we are a gathered group of Christians who exist to give creative and meaningful worship to God and to discover and develop disciples of Jesus Christ. We strive to love God and love others fervently. We have a couple of announcements uh, this week, one of which is that the office is updating the directory. So if you could please fill out the form in your seat pocket. Um, or call the office or email them with any updates that you might have. Um, and all of the songs each week are posted in the bulletin or on social media and by the link on the website header. So please check them out each week before you join us here for service. And all, we all know that Resurrection Sunday is coming up. So we have a couple announcements about that. So Friday, April 7th is the Good Friday service, and that will be held here at 6.30 p.m. On Sunday, April 9th, is the Resurrection Sunday services. We are going to have two of them. One of them will be the sunrise service at 7 a.m., and that, I'm sure, will be an amazing service. I've been told that it's going to be inside, though, and not outside. Um, breakfast will be following at 7.45 and um, we will have another worship service at 9.30 a.m. Um, we also want to challenge you to reach out to someone who maybe hasn't come to church in a long time and invite them um, to come on Sunday with you. Maybe go next door and ask your neighbor or call a friend or reach out to a relative who you, who you really think um, would find um, um, the resurrection service, something that would be helpful and enriching and maybe bring them to Jesus. So if you could bow your head with me um, as we open in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for the opportunity that we have together. together. Um, we know that um, it's something that not all of our brothers and sisters around the world can enjoy. Um, they need to do it in secret. So we just remember them and we pray for strength for them and protection as they're worshiping. Lord God, I just was in awe of your creation. Um, once again, this weekend, as I had the opportunity to see the northern lights, wow, the heavens declare your glory, Lord. And we just thank you that we're able to see it every day. Thank you for this summer coming up, but first we have spring. So thank you for the spring and thank you for um, just all the ways that you bless us every day. Lord, I just pray that you would open our hearts and open our minds to receive your word um, today as we listen to the to Pastor Wolfgang and as we worship together. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may be seated. You know how you change over? You, how you change over, it gets to being springtime and you, you start wearing light colored clothing again. I gotta, I gotta, oh, I gotta give the memo to Aaron that we gotta hold off on the songs that say snow. Okay? <laughs> I know it's a good metaphor. It's a very good metaphor. So, um, we got a couple great announcements. So, the first one's from Gary. Let's just give Gary 
a hand ahead of time for the breakfast that we're going to have on Resurrection Sunday. Yeah, already ahead of time. So, Gary, just a, a brief update here and, and uh, what else needs to be done. Okay, here's our update. First off, breakfast is still on April 9th. I have it written down as April 8th. I'm glad somebody corrected that before service. Time is 7.45. Menu update. We've got the biggest menu we've ever put together for Easter Sunday. Corned beef hash, scrambled eggs, cornbread, sausage, breakfast, muffins, waffles and sausage, assorted rolls, coffee, and all the rest. Egg update. Egg update. 37 dozen eggs collected so far. Keep them coming. The more you, the more you bring, the more we fix. Um, there's sign-up sheets in the back. We still need to get a head count, so please, even if you don't know for sure that you're going to be here, but you might be, put your name down. Give me a quantity just so we get some idea. Uh, still sign up for Saturday morning prep as well as the dining prep area, and then Sunday morning for cleanup. Dory Hoffman is heading up the cleanup. <laughs> Thank you, Dory. <laughs> lifetime for lifetime. <laughs> That's it. Looking forward to seeing everybody. Thank you, Gary. Gary, thank you for that. Uh, the second one is um, I heard that the women were getting jealous because the men were always having these breakfasts. So the elders' wives have gotten together, and Carrie has an announcement. But take them up there. Yeah. Okay, I need my helpers to come up here. Well, yes, we have been talking about how it would be fantastic for all the ladies in the congregation um, to get together. So bear with me a moment. So we are not all here today, but we're just going to introduce ourselves really quickly. Um, I've already been up here this morning, but I am Carrie Kingston, and Scott Kingston is my husband. He's one of the elders. And this is Pam Gardner, and Jim is her husband, another elder. And of course, you all know Stephanie. So Stephanie is our lovely um, pastor's wife. And um, Mary DeMeyer is Tom's wife, and um, also he is another elder. Um, we also have Lisa Abaderis, who is here with us today. Um, Lisa's husband is Scott, and um, she, so she is here with us today in spirit, even though she's not able to hold one of my signs. So we have Lisa. Um, so on April 22nd, we are planning to have a women's brunch. Ladies, can you hold up your signs? Um, we are very excited about this. I'm going to go in here. All right, this is my place where my sign is. I'm sorry, Lisa. We love you. I know you're on the floor right now. But anyways, if you women are wanting to come and join us, we have a sign-up um, in the Welcome Center area. We have two sign-ups, one if you'd like to attend, and the second one is if you'd like to bring a dish to pass, you can sign up too. But we're really looking forward to it. I'm getting to know each other a little bit more, um, and to have fellowship, devotion, testimony, all sorts of things. So we hope that you ladies are able to join us. 
Thank you. We stick those at this time in the service because we want to spend some time in prayer for each of the ministries that we have. And so it allows us to remember, okay, we're going to pray this morning for a Resurrection Sunday services that are there. And we're going to pray about this lady's brunch and its opportunity. And we always pray for a missionary. And I, I never look at the sheet to say, which missionary is it today? Huh? It's Alice today. Okay, we'll pray for Alice today. And we also pray for our offering. So um, would uh, the ushers come forward and be prepared? And let's bow our heads in prayer. So Heavenly Father, we thank you. We do thank you for the opportunity that comes once a year where um, it's the highlight of the church year is to say Jesus rose from the grave. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. And so, Lord, we, we fashion services and gatherings like the breakfast um, to, to put ourselves together, to pronounce that together as a body of believers. And we do pray that those services would be uh, a great testimony for us to say, He is risen, He is risen indeed. And we do want to pray for our ladies and the opportunity for them to get together for this brunch and the testimonies and the devotional that will be given and just the general fellowship that will happen around the tables, Lord. We, we pray that that will be a very profitable time for the kingdom. We pray for Alice this morning as our missionary uh, highlight. We thank you, Lord, for what he does uh, for his family now, uh, all part of the ministry, and that you would give him guidance and direction, Lord, um, well beyond his uh, physical capabilities, Lord, but, but use his words and his heart, Lord, to reach out to those that are in need. And, and thinking about Ellis this morning, we think about those people in Alabama and Mississippi, Lord, where the tornado went through and the loss of life that happened there just recently and them recovering, cleaning up. We pray that there will be many people um, who will come to their aid and, and to be there to support them. And Lord Jesus, we take our offering at this time in the service. It's a precious time to acknowledge the one who has provided everything that we have. And so, Lord, we, we uh, with a cheerful heart and with joy, be able to say, Lord, here, we, we love you, and we want to see your gospel go forth from here. So, Lord, bless this time of offering that we have this morning. And we ask this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Children, come on up. Any children, come on up. I got two things to talk to you about this morning. Two things to talk to you about this morning. Come right on in here. Come right around me. Yeah. Two things. Two things I'm going to talk to the, the big people about this morning. The first one is, and maybe you can finish this phrase for me, to have a friend, you have to, does anybody know? To have a friend, you have to be a friend, right? You have to be a friend. Well, how would you be a friend? How would you be a friend to somebody? You got one? 
Kind and honest. Kind and honest. Those, that's good. Somebody else got one? What, how would you be a friend to someone else? How would you be a friend? What might you do? Can you think? Yep, you got one? Listen to them. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, listen. Like, like sometimes we like to talk all the time, don't we? Yeah, listen to Oh, Mercy's got one? to them be kind to them yeah so that's one of the things i'm going to talk to the adults about is about to have a friend you got to be a friend the second thing i want to talk to the adults today about is about prayer what do you usually do when you pray what do you usually do when you pray what do you do okay sometimes you fold your hands everybody got your hands fold your hands kind of like that anybody else? what else do you do what else do you do when you pray what do you do? Close your eyes. Yep, you do that. What do you do? Bow your head. Yep. Anything else when you pray? Do you sometimes kneel when you pray? Like by your bed? Do you kneel when you pray? No? That's what we used to do. We used to kneel. Mercy? Yeah. And close your eyes and bow your head. How important is prayer? Do you think prayer is really important? Yeah, it is. So we're going to close our time with prayer, but the, we're going to pray. Did you know that Mrs. Amy Krause is in Africa this morning? Yeah, somebody from our church is in Africa this morning, and we're going to pray for her and the other Amy. There's an Amy 1 and Amy 2, and, and Dennis and Benia. We're going to pray for them this morning. So let's put our hands together. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. And I'm on my knees. Okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you that prayer is so important. And today we want to pray for Amy and Amy and Dennis and Benia. And for every place they go, give them protection and watch over them. And Lord, I pray for all these children that these children would be children of prayer. In thy precious name, amen. Amen. So who's leading you out today? There's Mr. Chamberlain. So if you're going to Children's Church, head toward Mr. Chamberlain. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. It's wonderful to be in God's house together. I'm thankful that we, uh, if, if you didn't notice, our bulletins now uh, have the sermon notes right in them. So if you pick up a bulletin, you've got the sermon notes that are there. Last week, we finished uh, 2 Peter chapter 2. And so usually in between times, what we do is we have an in-between sermon, but also we've got Palm Sunday, then Resurrection Sunday. So we will get back to 2 Peter chapter 3 on April 16th, and then we'll finish out the rest of the rest of the book. But this morning, I want to talk to you about um, something that the transition team has been going through is looking at discipleship and specifically looking at the scriptures and saying, how does Jesus, what does Jesus do when he makes disciples? And, and looking at those things and saying, okay, we need to uh, follow after what Jesus has done. 
And so we're going to look at these two core values this morning that I think are really important to look at going into the time of the year that we're going into right now. And the two things that we're going to talk about is initiating relationships and passionate prayer. But these are the two statements that I want us to work off at the start. How we do things in life should be shaped by what we read in the Bible. How we do things in life should be shaped by what we read in the Bible. And that's why every Sunday, what do we do? We open up God's Word to read God's Word. The second one is our ultimate and prime example to mimic is Jesus Christ our Lord. The ultimate and prime example to mimic is Jesus Christ our Lord. So when we open up the Bible on a Sunday morning, who are we primarily looking at? Looking at Jesus and what Jesus has done. So that's going to kind of guide us through these two points this morning. But I've got the John and Ed story, and I've asked uh, Grandpa Phil to come on up. He's going to help me. It's just a three-paragraph story, and I'm going to move this back. So, And, and Grandpa Phil, is uh, he's Ed, and I'm John. So Grandpa Phil right there. And Grandpa Phil, who's Ed, is gonna is gonna act out some of this as I speak it. Okay, you ready? Are you ready? So John met Ed after Ed turned eighty. <laughs> now John had recently moved into a townhouse, and Ed was his neighbor. And Ed lived independently and was full of life, still dancing <laughs> and dating. <laughs> And driving. There we go. When John saw Ed sitting on his back patio, John would intentionally go over and talk with him. Over time, Ed and John established a warm friendship despite the 50-plus age difference. They enjoyed their walks in the park. Yeah, I, no, I got to help you. There we go. Yeah. Their parties, their holidays, and their birthdays. Now, throughout this relationship, John found Ed extremely exciting. His life story captivated John. Often in their conversations, John would find, out, find himself asking Ed about his youth, his war experience, his marriage, his adventures, and his career. Ed shared with him he was a teenage ping-pong champ, <laughs> a successful lawyer, and a ballroom dance instructor. <laughs> and an adventurer riding horseback across Cuba. <laughs> okay. John found out that Ed was a courageous war veteran who had defended his country in the Pacific Theater during World War II. His life was rich and deep and abundant with experiences. And the only way John discovered Ed's story is because he felt interested enough to ask questions. 16 years later, when Ed was 96 years old, <laughs> John had built enough relationship, a trust in the relationship to ask him other meaningful questions, resulting in a spiritual conversation that impacted Ed's relationship with God for eternity. For eternity. Thank you, Grandpa Thanks, Phil. Grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> I know that was 
kind of a little funny and everything, but if it caught your attention to realize that um, the relationships that we have with others, it's, it, they are very important. So when we go to the scriptures, you can help me out here. Initiating re- relationships. Jesus stopped at a sycamore tree and called out, Zacchaeus, you wee little man. You wee little man. He stopped and he called out to this man that was up in the tree. Another one, Jesus told his fishermen to what? Follow me. Follow me. Jesus wanted the little to come to him. The little children. No, have them come to me. And then lastly, Jesus had what on the crowds? Compassion. When he saw the crowds of people, he had compassion on them. So we can see in the scriptures that Jesus was about, he initiated relationships with others. I want us to look at another one this morning that's listed up there. Matthew 9, 9 through 13. This is what it says in God's word. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Now, if we walk back through this, just a a few notes here. Matthew was considered a traitor. He was a Jewish man who was collecting taxes, but he was considered a traitor because he was working for who? The enemy. He was working for Rome. He was taking, getting taxes from his own countrymen to pay Rome. But the key words in verse 10 are at, many, and with. If I go back to that, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Why? Because the at shows that he's on Matthew's turf. The the many shows that he's with Matthew's group. And then the with shows that he's eating Matthew's food. He's eating Matthew's food. Now, we're going to give the big benefit of the doubt to the Pharisees in this. When they asked the disciples, they asked the disciples who were following Jesus, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? We'll give them the huge benefit of the doubt that they didn't go to Jesus directly because they couldn't get to him. Okay, that's a big benefit of the doubt. Lots of times that's what they were doing. What they were doing was they were trying to cause some doubt in the minds of the disciples about what Jesus was doing. Translation, uh, we wouldn't do what he's doing. We wouldn't do what your teacher, the guy that you're following, is doing. Verse 12, he starts off verse 12 with this general statement. You know, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. That's just a general statement. That's, you know, those who know they are sick, what do they do? If they're sick enough, they seek out a doctor. Or the other way around, if there's a doctor and a doctor sees someone in need, What do they do? They gravitate to that person that's there. So that's just a 
general statement of how life works. Then he goes on from there in verse 13, but go and learn what this means. If you understand what that means, then he says, learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Now he's pulling that from Hosea, uh, Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. Many times when they quote from the Old Testament, they will um, maybe only give you part of the verse. And the reason they only give you part of the verse is because those in during that time would have known the rest of the verse. That was just the starter. They would have known the rest. But in Hosea 6, 6, it says, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And then the second part of the verse, and acknowledgement of God. Now, you can throw that desire on the first part of that again. And I desire acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. So I desire mercy, says, it, and I put up there, in this scenario, in this situation that he's in right now, who's acknowledging him? The sinners. The tax collectors and sinners are the actually ones that are acknowledging him. I mean, coming to him, around him. But he says, I desire mercy. Uh, same word, basically, for compassion. This is my definition of it. Compassion is action following a stir. So you are stirred by something, and, and, and out of that stirring of you, you act upon it. And it's usually an act of um, caring for, for the situation or something like that. That's, that's my definition of that. And he's saying, I desire that response of the people rather than sacrifice. Sacrifice is a slaying. Sacrifice is, a, is to slaughter. So I, I desire this response where there is a, a reaching out to others rather than a this to others. Now, he ends it in verse 13. Back to our passage, verse 13. That I've, I've come to call, uh, not, not to call the righteous, but to call sinners to repentance. Let me get back there. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And when you look at this passage of Scripture, who thought they were righteous in this passage? Yeah, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, thought they were righteous in this passage. But what group do you want to really be in? You want to be in the group that God is calling. And of course, there's no one righteous. No, not one, except the Lord Jesus Christ. And so even if we think we are righteous, you're in the wrong group. We need to be in the group that, that desires to be around Jesus, desires to mimic his actions, mimic his actions. Um, why? I, I want to give you four things here. Why do we um, sometimes not initiate relationships with others that God has put around us? Here's four things. One is the pace of life, the pace of life. We have no margins in our lives, and therefore we don't initiate relationships with others that are around us. I mean, don't go any farther than a high and a buy kind of thing because we have no margin left in our lives. I saw this in a couple different ways. In a church I was previously in, there was a, there was a family in the church, it was a large family, and, and I mean, it was wonderful. They, 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 the grandparents and the parents and the kids and some were great-grandparents all were in church together and worshiping together. It was just a sight to see. But then we would have potluck. We would have potluck. 
And they really had to work at this. They really had to work at not all setting together as a family to recognize the people that God had put around them, the other people, to worship with them. Why would we do that? We got everything we need. We got our whole family here. And they would really have to work at it to say, no, I'm, Grandma, I'm sorry. I'm not going to sit with you this Sunday. <laughs> I'm going over here because there's somebody new over here. And I, I want to reach out to them. Another place I saw this pace of life was during COVID, at the start of COVID, when that happened and everything shut down. I had parents coming up to me almost giddy. They were almost giddy because they had their life was so full of their children's activity that they got a break. They were really giddy. They were. They were like, whoa, we're home. We're eating dinner together kind of thing. And it's a realization that, wait a minute, maybe, maybe we, we, we took it too, a little too far. Maybe we took it a little too far. And it, you realize, wait a minute, I need some more margin in my life. And if I don't have margin in my life, I, I'm not going to reach out to another person. Second one, kind of related self-focus, that you have your own agenda, you have your own schedule, you, you, you therefore, you know, you just don't have time for them. I know it's hard to look at me and say, yeah, Adam was on a health kick at one time, and I used to run like 10 miles a day, yeah, get my heart rate up and all that kind of stuff. And I remember... I, was, I ran to the gym, worked out at the gym for two hours, and I was running home, okay? This is how deep I was in. And while I was running home, there was a guy who drove up alongside of me in his car. Someone from the church drove up alongside of me, and the first thing that went through my head was, oh, no, if I stop, my heart rate's going to go down, and I'm not going to be able to, and I'm going to have to build it back up and everything else. I was deep into it. Yeah, my own agenda. To, to stop and say, wait a minute, that's a real person driving the car. And it's actually a person that wants to speak to me, kind of thing. Our own agenda. Third one, our Christian bubble. Now, when I say this one, I want us to realize that our Christian bubble is good. If you've got a bubble around you of Christian friends, I want to say, praise the Lord. We, we need those Christian bubbles. But those Christian bubbles need to do something that is in Hebrews chapter 10, 24, and 25. Those are the famous verses about this. But I want you to see both sides of this Christian bubble. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That's what the Christian bubble is supposed to do. It's supposed to stir us on one another toward love and good deeds. Those are most likely going to reach outside of that bubble. Verse 25, let us not give up meeting together, that's the Christian bubble, as some are in the habit of doing. So the bubble is necessary. The bubble, this, we, have, we got a big bubble this morning, but maybe some of you are in small groups. That's a smaller bubble that you're in. It's necessary, but then it says, but let us encourage one another more. Encourage one another. All the more as you see the day approaching. So the Christian bubble is important. But it's important so that it encourages you to live out your life wherever God takes you kind of thing. But sometimes that's not happening. And sometimes we're just operating within the bubble. Fourth one, and this is the terrible one, our attitude. Our attitude. Sometimes we don't initiate relationships with others because we make initial judgments based on outward appearance. 
We, we make a judgment just by what they look like, what they sound like, different things about them. Even just a short, maybe even a short interchange, and we've made a kind of a final judgment about them. And, and that one's a heart issue. That's where you need to go to God and say, God, please change my heart. Change my heart. And, and, and so those are, those are four of the main things that, that keep us from initiating those relationships of the people that God has put around you. You, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, are an ambassador of his. You are citizens of another kingdom, and you, but you are here in this kingdom. And you are an ambassador of him, and he brings people around you, and he wants you to be his ambassador before them. So I want each one of these, these two things this morning, I'm going to give you a little tool. And you'll see these, we've got baskets up front on both sides here. This is just a little tool. It's a little tag that says, I would like to invite you to our, and we say Easter events, because most people in the world, they, they know Easter. Easter events at Washer Community Church and the address, and there's a place to put your name. And then on the back side of the tag, it, it lays out our services. Good Friday, sunrise, breakfast, worship service that's there. And then it has this little, little ribbon on it. The idea with this is for you to go and initiate a relationship. Maybe it's go to your neighbor, and maybe, maybe you bake some bread, and you tie this on that bread. And you go to your neighbor and say, you know, I go to church at Washera Community Church. And this, I just wanted you to know when the services are. And if you come, boy, we can sit together. Now, sometimes people will come, sometimes they won't. But the whole purpose behind it is you just may have had a conversation. And hopefully that leads to another conversation. Hopefully that leads to maybe a backyard barbecue. Hopefully that leads to a, maybe a community days that we're doing uh, throughout the summer. We're going to have one every month uh, this summer. And the first one, I think we're even going to have an outdoor concert. All this does is just opens up the initiation, opens up the conversation with that person. So I want you to think about your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, different people. I had another crop in here. Maybe you're not a baker. Maybe you buy something and you put it on there. These are, Stephanie and I found these. These are our favorites. Honey acres, dark chocolate orange honey patties. They're at Piggly Wiggly. Uh, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no sponsorship here, but I do have a large mailbox though. But the idea, yeah, whatever it is, little gift bag with some stuff inside. They just want to say, this is where I go to church, and, and Easter's still something in our community. To say, you know, just want to, I'm your neighbor. I want to invite you to church. Okay, it's just, and again, it's more than Easter. It's more than Resurrection Sunday. It's more of that we're, we're realizing these people are around us for a reason, and we're an ambassador of Christ for a reason to, to interact with them. Okay? So that's the first one. Let's go, to the, let's go to the second one. And again, we'll kind of do the same thing. The second one is passionate prayer. Jesus taught his who how to pray. His disciples how to pray. 
He taught his disciples how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed by thy name. Okay? Jesus went up on the mountain to pray. Jesus went up on the mountain to pray. Jesus called God what when he prayed? Father. He called him Father when he prayed. And then Jesus spent all what in prayer? Yeah, all night in prayer at times. So let's look at one of those prayer times. Matthew, this one's kind of neat. This is Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46. See that? All the tens there. Ten away. Matthew 26, starting at verse 36 through 46. And we see one of these times when Jesus prays. When Jesus went, went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell down with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Going back through this, verse 36, just the whole idea that Jesus prayed. So we're following someone who, uh, and he is instructing us on how to pray and to pray, but he is also the one who is praying. Number thir Verse 38, he says, keep watch with me. That phrase right there means give strict attention to. So this is something that we need to give strict attention to. We got to have our focus in on this. Verse 39, Jesus prayed his desires and his father's will. If this can be taken from me, this cup, this cup of God's wrath against the sin that's going to be placed upon him, if it can be. But then he prays, but your will, but your will. So he brings about his desires, but the end result is always wanting his Father's will. Verse 41, prayer is essential. Essential because temptation is real. When he comes back to his disciples, what does he bring up? He brings up the whole idea of being tested and trials and temptation. And when those things arise in your life, what are you to, should you be doing? You should be praying. It's essential that you pray. Verse 42, prayer brings resolve to our obedience to God. This is the second time that Jesus prays. And you'll notice he changes it. So in verse 39, he said, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but you will. Then when you get to verse 42, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away from me unless I drink it, 
may your will be done. So there's a, there's a difference there. There's a resolve that this is the Father's will that I take this cup, that I go to the cross. That's the Father's will. And there's a resolve. And that happens in prayer times, in our prayer times. That when we resolve that we want the Father's will, and it starts to be started to being revealed in your life, during prayer is a time to resolve to say, yes, Lord, I am following after you. And then in verse 44, prayer is a time to cement our submission to God's way. This is the third time he goes back. And it says he goes back and he prays the same thing. He goes back and kneels before the Father and prays the same thing. Have you ever done that? Gone back before him over and over, cementing, cementing, following after him. And then verse 45, prayer is hard to maintain. Prayer is hard to maintain. When he says, he returned to his disciples, said to, he said to his disciples, are you still sleeping and resting? It's hard to maintain. If anyone has ever told you that the Christian life is easy, they have misspoken. That's, that's a kind way of saying that. They have misspoken. No, Christian life is hard. It's hard to maintain a prayer life. It is hard to maintain a time in God's Word. It is hard to maintain um, just regular times of worship together with God's people. It is hard to maintain um, the consistency of a small group going from week to week to week. It is hard to maintain those spiritual disciplines that are there, but they are very much worth it. And we need to give strict attention to them. Um, many theologians have said many things about prayer. This is just one. Our prayer must not be self-centered. It must arise not only because we feel our own need as a burden we must lay upon God, but also because we are so bound up in love for our fellow men that we feel their need as acutely as our own. To make intercession for men is the most powerful and practical way in which we can express our love for them. Wow. Um, what does prayer do? Three things here. Prayer demonstrates our dependence on God. When we, when we stop and we start to talk to the Father, we are asked, we're, our dependency is upon Him. Now you know Ephesians 6 is where you find the armor of God, right? Ephesians 6, uh, starting at verse 12. And he first starts that passage with just the magnitude of what you're up against. So in verse 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Okay, this is much bigger than us. And then he walks through the armor of God, and then if you jump to verse 18, he ends it with this. And, so you put all that armor of God on, and, here's the top thing, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And then Paul does something here because it's the great Paul. It's the great Paul. Then he does something in verse 19. Pray also for me. Why? Why? Because he's dependent on God. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, 
pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So there's one thing about prayer. Prayer demonstrates, when we pray, it demonstrates our dependency on God. Secondly, prayer softens hard hearts. And I've got a couple stories at the end here to share that will bring that one out. But the third one, prayer draws people to Jesus. Draws people to Jesus. Now, God draws his children in, but he tells his children, he tells his flock to pray. He tells his children to pray. Here's another great quote. Before we can talk to, to people about God, we need to talk to God about people. We need to talk to God about people. So these two stories, I hope this, uh, this one is from a missionary uh, that was to India, uh, John DeVries, and he, he relays this event that happened, and in India there's the touchables and the untouchables, and they never touch, okay? One's a low caste, one's high caste. So in one tribal outcast village, many families became Christians, and they began concerned about the salvation of the high caste Brahmins living on the other side of the river. So the families began to pray. Stephen was a wealthy Brahmin living on the other side of the river. His wife had been ill for 20 years. One evening, Stephen's wife told him she had heard that there were many miracles happening in the village across the river. She suggested that he go and stand by the river facing the hut of the untouchables and pray to this new God for healing. At first he objected, she, but she prevailed and he went, asking this unknown God to reveal himself by healing his wife. If that would happen, he said, they would serve him forever. He returned to his home and to his amazement, he found his wife totally healed. In great excitement, they rushed over the bridge and did what no self-respecting Brahmin would ever do. They entered the home of the untouchables and demanded to know who this God was to whom they had prayed. And the untouchables told them about Jesus. Yeah, it's Jesus. It's God that draws us in, but he tells his sheep to pray. Tells his sheep to pray. The last one that's on there is my own spiritual history of my life um, on my father's side. On my father's side, um, grandpa and grandma, grandpa and grandma, they were, sometimes we, we use that word pagan, far from God, just tremendously far from God. God wasn't even on the radar, okay? Just nowhere to be found, I think. But somehow in the midst of all of that, my uncle Don got saved. He turned to the Lord. And when he turned to the Lord, what did he start doing? He started praying for his brothers and sisters and his mom and dad. And as he prayed for his brothers and sisters and his mom and dad, my Aunt Isla got saved. And then my Aunt Norma got saved. And then lo and behold, my father got saved. And my father was still single at the time. My father was the worst of them all. My father would drink to the point that he would get in car accidents and almost killed a few people in that whole process. He was such a cast off of the family that no one would even let them him stay at their house anymore. I mean, that's the kind of dad I had. I, of course, this is way before me, way before he was married and everything else, way before that. But he got saved. And now all of these are what? They're praying for grandpa and gr mom and dad. 
They're praying for grandpa and grandma. They're praying for this other brother still that didn't know the Lord. And they would, they would get together and pray. They, they would put little notes in the mailbox with scripture passages. We're praying for you. They, were just, they just bombarded my grandma and grandpa to the point that it was a Friday night. Grandpa was with his buddies and this other son that was yet to be saved. And they were playing a poker game, having card night. And Uncle Don sent in my cousin, little Donnie, in one more time. He said, go in and ask Grandpa if he'll come to the services tonight. Pilgrim Holiness Church in, West, in, in Sterling, Michigan, we're having services each night. And he says, ask him if he'll come. And so little Donnie goes in there, you know, and asks Grandpa, Grandpa, would you come? And Grandpa finally says, I've had enough of this. Yes, get you off my back. I will go. And the brother, the son that had yet to come to know Christ, said to Grandpa, my Grandpa, said to my Grandpa, you can go, but don't come back changed. Because he had watched his brothers and sisters who were now visibly changed. Visibly changed. So grandpa got ready, grandma got ready. The church is just a small church. And, and, and my, my dad was kind of sitting toward the back. And my dad saw through the windows that familiar car come through and park in the parking lot. And grandma and grandpa sat right in the very back. And they listened to that minister as he spoke the gospel. And he got toward the end of the service and he said, is there anyone here? Is there anyone here who would like to surrender their life over to the one who surrendered his life so that you could have eternal life? And, and my grandfather got up. And my grandmother said to my grandfather, what are you doing? And he says, I'm going down there. Because they would, they would call them up front. I'm going down there. And she said, well, if you're going, I'm going. And he got out into the aisle, the center aisle, and they, they locked arms, just like a wedding. They were going down the aisle for a wedding, you know, kind of thing. They're coming down. Well, my Uncle Don was halfway up on this aisle. He was halfway up. He didn't even know they were there. You know, it's kind of packed, and he didn't even know they were there or anything. And when they came by my Uncle Don, he fell right to the floor. He was so overcome that what? His prayers were being answered. And, and my, my grandparents, um, my grandpa used his vocational skills and went on to the mission field and, and, and ended out the rest of his life as a, as a missionary. My, my grandma and grandpa did. Now, I, you know, you're, that's a part of my story is that the salvation of sheep, but those salvation of sheep were what? Praying. And, and yeah, I think I could look back and say, you know, my life would be tremendously different in, in a sense um, if, if there wasn't prayer going on. That's what I want to encourage you with this morning because there's a second basket up here that has these little cards in them. And it's a prayer card. And on this prayer card, I need your help, is I want you to fill it out. You can fill one on the front, one on the back. I want you to fill out something that you want prayed for. And I would say keep it general, keep it legible, <laughs> so I can read it. Uh, keep it general. But what's going to happen with these cards? 
Well, if you fill out some of these cards, there's a basket in the, in the foyer on the Welcome Center where you deposit them. But here's the second part of it, is that uh, next Sunday is Palm Sunday, what we call Palm Sunday. The Monday after that, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the church is going to be open. The sanctuary is going to be open from 6 to 8 in the mornings for prayer. And I'm praying that we have a whole bunch of these cards all over the platform here. And it's going to be a come and go kind of thing. You don't have to stay here for the whole two hours. But it's going to be a time to come into the sanctuary and maybe come up front, grab four or five cards, go back and sit down or even sit down up here and spend the time in prayer. Let's make this place a, a house of prayer leading into Resurrection Sunday. You'll have a couple opportunities to do this. There's other things that will happen during that time that I've seen happen during those times when we set aside time for prayer. Is maybe you'll come in one of those mornings and you're praying and you're sitting there and praying and you see somebody and you say, I need to spend a little time praying with that person. And you go over and pray with them. Next Sunday, I think what I'm going to do also is I'm going to have a post-it note at every seat. And when you get done next Sunday, you're going to put your name on that post-it note and stick it on your seat. Because another great thing that you can do in prayer times is when we're together like that, you can move throughout the sanctuary and sit down in a seat that says, Jeanette. And say, I'm going to pray for Jeanette today. I'm going to pray for her. And move throughout the sanctuary that's there. But the challenge this morning is to say, Hey, uh, yeah, I do have some prayer requests. I do have some things that are on my heart. And I'm going to start filling these out even now. And I'm going to put them in that basket. But I'm also going to try to make it one of those days, Monday through Friday, starting next Monday, not this Monday, next Monday, and come into this place. Soft music will be started playing. I'll read the scripture passage, start us off in a general prayer, but then it's just time to it's time to pray. Why are we doing this? Because we're mimicking our Jesus. We pray. We pray. So as we sing this final song, you'll see the baskets that are up here and the tags that are up here. And I want you to, even while we're singing, you're saying, hey, I need to do that. I've got a couple people that I want to invite. Um, I've got some prayer requests. Even while we're singing, just come on up and grab some tags and grab some prayer cards and say, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mimic what Jesus has done, and I'm going to initiate some relationships that I know I need to make. So would you stand with us? Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us such a good example to follow and that we, you, we are to follow your example. So I pray that the Holy Spirit would work uh, in our lives right now that maybe you even bring or bringing up names or of people that we could we could invite to church on Resurrection Sunday, or even just have a conversation with them. That you would bring to our mind maybe some things that yes, this would be a good thing. I I would love to have others praying along with me about this. Of something to put on that prayer card. But stir us, Lord, to movement. To say yes, Lord. I'm going to I'm going to follow after you in my precious name. Amen.
So as we sing this final song, feel free to come to the front, grab some tags, grab some prayer cards, and... Uh... Hi, I'm Scott. I'm one of the elders here at WCC, and I just wanted to uh, say a few things as we close. One, when Carrie sat down after making her announcement about the women's brunch, she said, oh, I should have told them to invite a friend, and then Adam talked about inviting friends. So if you're coming to the brunch, invite a friend, invite friends to um, Easter service, Palm Sunday service next week. Um, but speaking of that, Adam had a really interesting quote. Um, I believe it was Rick Richardson. Um, said, before we can talk to people about God, we need to talk to God about people. And um, that just shows how tightly initiating relationships and prayer are linked. Um, and, and going back to a verse that Adam briefly mentioned, I, I want to close with uh, Matthew 9, 35 through 37. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I don't know about you guys, but in my fallen nature, it's not easy to go up to people that are unlike me and initiate relationships. It's even harder for me to have compassion on them. So if I'm going to be like that, I need to be in prayer to my Lord because that's his heart, and I need to have his heart. And we have opportunities. We would love for you guys to pray with us. Dan Chessman's here after every service up here in the corner. We pray at 9 o'clock before service. And our enemy, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It is against the powers of evil in the heavenly realms. He doesn't want us praying. So please, guys, pray for our church. Pray for our leadership. And uh, let's, just be, let's just be people of prayer. And I'm going to close in prayer. <clears throat> heavenly Father, um, I thank you for the great message that was preached today and um, just for how Adam handles your word uh, with with truth and grace, Lord. And and forgive me for um, those missed opportunities. Uh, they're just the little moments in life where I'm too busy to stop and talk to that person that could use a word of encouragement or um, just to engage you in prayer throughout my day and my life. And I just, I, I pray that we would be people of prayer, that we would be initiators of relationship, and that the world would see us as, uh, as people of the truth that handle your scripture with integrity, but also of people of great compassion who love those that don't know you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week.